Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. This weekend's gospel, we have the greatest parable that has ever been told by Jesus Christ. That's the parable of the prodigal son. Why is this the greatest parable? Because it contains everything that we need to know about the spiritual life. Therefore, we must carefully tend to it. How does it begin? A man had two sons. Well, from the very beginning of the parable, it tells us our relationship with God. God is like our parent. God gives us everything that we need, including life itself. Just like a mother and a father produce life and children, God is the giver or the author of all life. And yet it doesn't stop there. God is constantly giving us gifts. Just like a parent gives a child gifts to help that child nurture and grow, so too does God. He is constantly giving us gifts so that we may continue to grow and be nurtured in the spiritual life. What does he give us? Talents, skills, abilities. More to it, he gives us love, grace, mercy, justice, compassion, forgiveness, charity. He gives us all these things, including life itself. What's the implication here? If we truly participate in a life with God, then we also participate in his will. Consequently, we must also freely give ourselves to others in this world, just as the Father freely gives us gifts. And that's the key. The more we give, the more we receive from God. That's the first spiritual lesson. The more we give of ourselves in service to others and God in this world, the more we participate in the life of Christ. Now, the story continues. It says, A man had two sons, and the younger son said to his father, Father, give me the share of your estate that should come to me. Now, take this to a spiritual level. What if we said this to God? Essentially, what we're saying to God is, I want to live my life according to my terms, my way, my will. Stay out of my life. Now, notice, look at the practical aspect of this statement. You know, when do we get an inheritance? When, unfortunately, a loved one dies. So, this is a harsh statement that this young son is making to his father. In fact, it's very insulting. What is he really saying to his father? Hurry up and die so I can get what's coming to me. Now, does a father get angry at this? No. Is he insulted? No. Does he say to the son, absolutely not, you're staying here? No. In fact, he does exactly what the son tells him to do. He divides his property. The symbolism here, God respects our freedom. Now, this is a great and a very terrible truth. God does respect our freedom. 
Now, if we want to break our relationship with God, if we want to live a life without God, what is God's response? Does he get angry? Does he say, absolutely not? No. Because he respects our freedom, he says to us, okay, that's what you want. I'll let you go. Now, the son goes. Now, notice, he leaves and it says he went into a far distant country. The Greek word that is used to describe this is the koromatra. Remember, the Bible is originally written in Greek. And so, koromatra describes the far distant country. Now, if you take that word and translate it to English, it means a great empty space. Now, realize, in our day and age, we have a koromatra here in our world, in our society, a great empty space. It's not necessarily a place as it is the lure of this world, whether it's power, riches, fame, fortune, honor, notoriety, whatever it is, that is the koromatra, the great empty space. And what happens? People leave their relationship with God in order to enter into this great empty space. They think that the things of this world, fame, fortune, riches, honor, power, those things will make them happy. And it doesn't. Essentially, they realize after a while, they're never satisfied. They never truly receive joy or meaning in life. Why is that? Because God is not present in that deep, empty space. As I've said before, each and every one of us has an infinite longing for the divine in our life. When we attach that infinite longing for the divine to God, that's when we truly have purpose, meaning, and joy in life. What is this younger son doing? He's attaching that infinite longing for the divine into the Koromatra. He's attaching it to power and riches, fame, fortune, notoriety. Now, the story continues. It said he squandered all of his wealth. Well, of course, it's because he clinged to his possessions. Here is a basic spiritual truth. When we cling to the gifts of God, eventually we'll lose them all. God is the giver of all gifts. And therefore, herein lies the great spiritual truth. Those gifts that are given to us by God, they will multiply precisely in the measure in which we share them with others for the benefit of them as well as God in this world. Now, the story continues. The young son is desperate and he's hungry. Therefore, he goes to a man and the man hires him and he sends him to tend to swine, pigs. This tells us just how desperate this young man is. In the ancient world, Israelites considered pigs amongst the most unclean animals. That's why they never even got close to pigs. They never even ate anything regarding pork or any type of meat that came from a pig. See, we see how desperate this young man is, that he takes this disgraceful job. Next, it says, Coming to his senses, he thought, How many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food to eat? But here I am dying from hunger. Well, we can see why. In the environment of his father's house, his father was constantly generously giving to his two sons, even to the servants. Well, now the son realizes he is far from that environment. That's why he's starving. Again, take it to a spiritual level. 
if we are in the Kora Matra, if we are in that deep, empty space, well, what we have to recognize is we have an infinite longing for the divine in our life. When we attach that to power or riches or whatever the allures of this world are, we recognize after a while we are starving. We're starving for God in our life who's not present. Now, the story continues. The son decides to go back to the father. Now, notice the fine detail here. The father caught sight of the son. What's the implication here? The father kept watching for the son. Each and every day, the father was constantly scanning, looking at the horizon, hoping that his son would one day come back. The father never forsaken the son. He was constantly waiting, hoping, and watching for his return. We'll take it to the spiritual level. If we wander away from God, God does not forsake us ever. Instead, God, like this father, will constantly be seeking, scanning, watching the horizon, hoping that one day we will come back to him. Now, notice the next detail. The father sees the son and he runs to the son. Now, in the ancient world, this was very undignified for an elderly man to run to anyone that's younger than him. Remember, this is a patriarchal society. Older, experienced men would sit at places of honor. Then his children and his grandchildren would come to him and they would reverence him, respect him, and then sit and kneel at his feet. Well, this older man now is running. He's doing something that is not very respectful. But guess what? He doesn't care. All he cares about is the love that he has for his son. Now, this is all about the whole Bible. This parable basically is a synopsis. It summarizes the entire Bible. If I were to summarize the Bible in one sentence, I would say the entire Bible is about a story of God's quest for us. Not our quest for God, but God's quest for us. We have to realize God's desire for us is infinitely greater than our desire for God. Now remember, how did the story begin? With the son leaving the father. How does the story now end? With the father running to the son. Now, the son comes to the father and he begins to beg for the father's forgiveness. Immediately, the father cuts him off. He wants nothing to hear of this. And he orders the finest robe to be put on his son. Well, in the ancient world, clothing symbolized one's identity. And so now the son's identity is restored by the father in this robe. We too received a robe. The moment of our baptism, part of the ritual is that we were clothed with a white robe. Well, that white robe represented now a life that we shared with Christ. And that became now our identity. The ring, it's put on his finger. It's a sign of connection. The relationship that was once severed by the son leaving the father is now restored by the father's love. Sandals are put on his feet. In the ancient world, only slaves walked around barefoot. And see, the father refuses this relationship with his son. Now the son's restored with full family membership. Now the story doesn't end here. In fact, it only heats up. The older brother comes in from the fields. He finds out what has happened and immediately he's filled with resentment and refuses to come into the house. 
The father goes out to meet him, trying to coerce him back into the house. What does the son say? For years I slaved for you. Now it appears that the two brothers are very different. I would argue they're actually both the same. Both treat their relationship with their father in an economic way, whatever they can get out of it. The younger son says to the father, you know, hurry up and die so I can get my share of the inheritance. What does the older son say? I slaved for you for years. I tried to earn your love. Now notice the father's response. And this lies at the very heart of the message of this parable. He says, my son, you are here with me always. Everything I have is yours. Well, again, this lies at the very heart of the message of this parable. If we stay with God out of genuine love, motivated by genuine love and only genuine love, then everything that we have of God is ours. Well, what does God have? What does the Holy Spirit, the Son, and the Father have between them? Love, grace, mercy, forgiveness, kindness, charity, compassion. Well, now that is all ours. See, that's how generous our God is. Everything that he has now is ours. And yet, what's the challenge here? Now we must be a living reflection of God's generosity in this world. If God has given us his love, his grace, forgiveness, kindness, charity, compassion, now we must be a living reflection of all those gifts. So people come to know God by how we act and how we conduct ourselves. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.